From crack addict to self-made multi-millionaire, you may think that's something, but even more valuable than cash flow is the story you're about to hear on this special edition of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. The views expressed on this special broadcast of the Take 12 Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. A very scary experience. You know, God is a solution. God is a 12-step. I like where he's going here. Helps the community grow, helps us grow. Bonnie, <laughs> Bonnie has done a phenomenal job. Lack of open-mindedness. And you're talking about taking people through a spiritual process and getting them into recovery. Thanks, Monty, uh, and thanks for all your support. We need spirituality to make this thing work long-term. It's an absolute pleasure. He certainly knows a lot of people. This is one of the places that is about the business of the solution. And now, broadcasting on location somewhere in the vast expanse of the Pacific Northwest, it's the over-opinionated 12-stepologist, the Monty Man. Welcome to the show, my friends. We are Take 12 Recovery Radio, and I am your host, The Monty Man, broadcasting to you and for you from the outskirts of beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, from the KHLT Recovery Broadcasting Studios. It's great to have you with us today on this very special broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Today on the show is a man who, despite extreme financial issues, drug addictions, and adversity, creates fame and fortune really through the power of God because of an idea about, of all things, a pillow. And now this is an American success story. Most people would have quit, but my guest has kept going despite the obstacles thrown at him. Can you identify with that? I know I can. And through it all, he has kept his sense of humor. He doesn't let negativity tear him down, and he has always had a positive energy. And because of his tenacity... Mike has been able to get people to trust in his dream. Please join with me in welcoming founder and CEO of MyPillow, Mr. Mike Lindell. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. It is an honor to have you on, uh, my brother. Uh, Your story is definitely one of restoration and miracles, Uh, nothing short than a miracle. People that haven't heard about you or or my pillow are just they're they're living in a cave somewhere by now. And, and folks, if if you've never heard of this, if you've never seen this, you really need to do yourself a favor. And I, at the risk of sounding like an infomercial, may I just say I own three of these, and I have never slept better in my life. And I have sleep apnea, and my son has one, my wife has one, and I have one, all custom made. Mike, it's an amazing product, and I know you've heard that a million times. Do you ever get tired of hearing that? No, that's actually what's got a lot of that's kept me going over the years when uh, hearing people's testimonials and how it, how it, you know, it changed their lives. And it's, uh, for me, it's I've, I've always been my I've been feel, so blessed to help so many people. My passion has always been to help people, and I never get tired of hearing testimonials right. and how it changed, changed people's lives. Well, listen, uh, you know, you, you sound great. You're doing great. We, we watched your documentary. I mean, you're healthy, and, and, and you've got God's serenity on your life. You have a wonderful family. But things weren't always like that, true? That's yeah, true. Um, um, I was a 20-year cocaine addict and alcohol, and then I t- that turned to crack cocaine. And, and um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't always uh, a bed of roses. <laughs> No, no. How did you get, how did you get into the cocaine thing? I mean, what happened? Was there a certain event that drew you into that? Well, well, the um, it was in uh, it was in the early 1980s, and um, you know now I know why. You know the you know when I uh, most addictions manifest from uh, when you're a child, and you know you have uh, whether you have trauma or in my case it was uh, 
it was a divorce. My parents divorced when I was seven years old. Mm. And uh, uh, back then, divorce was more common. I was put into another school, and I had a lot of, uh, um, I think, a lot of uh, inner pain from then. And and I always had a, a tremendous fear of rejection. So I went. I was very shy. Would not talk to people. Uh, you, if you don't talk to people, you don't get rejected. And uh, and it, here the so cocaine. When I tried that in the early '80s, that gave me. I, you know, all of a sudden, wow, I felt like I could, you know, talk to anyone, do, you know, do anything. And uh, that's how I got into it. I, it. I can remember the first guy that I that I ever did it with. And uh, as a matter of fact, he was there for me at the end when he uh, he came to me a month before I quit. And he had been clean for three years and found Jesus. And he, uh, I had all kinds of questions for him. <laughs> I'll bet you did. I'll bet you did. Had you ever? I mean, was there was there a certain event that happened that where the light bulb came on and you said to yourself, "This has got to stop." No, you know, the, um, I had, I had um, in the early two thousands. I, you know, that's when I switched to crack cocaine. But then I had always been an entrepreneur, and I actually had a local bar and not a good place for a guy that's with all these addictions. <laughs> and uh, then when I invented my pillow. I had um, so many things started happening besides my own adversity with the crack addiction. Um, people trying to take the company. We lost our house. I lost a 20-year marriage. Um, everything uh, fell apart. And in 2008, the drug dealers actually did an intervention on me in Minneapolis uh, when I was downtown living in the worst part. And uh, they came to me, and all three of them said... Uh, I go, you guys know each other. They knew of each other. And, the, and they said, the mic's been up for 14 days. And, and, uh, they all, all their people, all of them cut me off. Well, I, I waited till the last one went to sleep and went down to the streets about 2 AM and I couldn't get cracked anywhere. And I came back up and the one, uh, the one dealer, he says, uh, he was waiting for, he said, how'd that work out for you? And he said, here, I'm going to take a picture. He says, you made a promise to us that God has given you this platform are going to give you a great platform. You're going to come back and help us all. We're not going to let you die on us. And and uh, he took this picture. Uh, I mean, that was in early 2008, but it still took uh, nine more months. Uh, events that happened. Uh, I had uh, my son moved out on me that uh, with a tear in his eye that he couldn't take it anymore. And, and uh, then that my friend coming to me in December of that year, and uh, just out of nowhere, he says. Uh, you know, and I said, I had all these questions for him, and I said, is it boring and all these things? And, and then on January 16, 2009, I, I prayed. I said, God, I'm going to be freed of, these, uh, of the desire for, these, for these, all these addictions and all right. these drugs. And, and, and uh, then I'm all yours. And uh, I woke up the next day, and it was the most peaceful feeling. I'm going, wow. And, and, uh, but I didn't, three months later, I actually went to uh, our church to a, a treatment center they had there. It's called Living Free, and I wanted to make sure that you know I wanted to find out where my where my addictions came from in the first place. I felt God was leading me there, and I went in there. I went into the counselor, and I said uh, the first day, and I said um, I actually met him at the door. It wasn't even a class, and I said, "Yeah," I said, "I quit my addictions." I said, "I'm going to have a foundation someday, and and I'm going to have a book, and it's got this big platform of uh, this this pillow I invented. It's going to get really huge and." And it's going to be a platform for the kingdom and not telling them all this stuff. And he went home and told his wife, he said, I, this guy came in. I said, I think he's still on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, but I got into his class and it was, it was different. It was like, um, I had been to many treatment centers before and where they, you know, they, they shame you more, you know, all oh, you've, you've hurt your parents and you've hurt your children and you, you know, you spent all your money. And well, when you get out of treatment, you have enough, you expect trust from people. You're not going to get that. And to have more shame, to live with more shame, that doesn't work. Well, this particular center, he goes, we're not here to talk about how much drugs you did and what you did. He goes, let's go back to your childhood and we'll talk about your father, you know, or whatever. And my, you know, mm-hmm. mine was a divorce. And they went at a different angle. And, and I did, I, you know, I found out the roots of why, you know, people become addicted to high, to mass pain. Sure. And, and it was it was an amazing amazing awakening there, and and to where to, 
to learn that stuff at that time. So you, so you discovered that the drug use was simply an outward manifestation of an inward condition? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Oh, ab- absolutely. You know, I, and I firmly believe that now that most, uh, you know, when you're a child, whether it's trauma or whether it could, you know, it could be a divorce, which is our fatherlessness, um, broken families, um, you know, these things manifest either into addictions, personality disorders, all kinds of stuff there. And uh, they did a poll in a, in a prison, um, I believe it was in Kansas recently, and in a prison, you know, you're there for over a year. Well, they did a poll in that prison. How many of their parents got married, planned having them, and are still together, kind of like the white picket fence we all envision? Sure. And uh, how many of that percentage uh, do you think that that was in that case? It was 0%. That was so sad and so telling of how important a family is and how important God is and, and everything, that family unit. that And, and we, uh, you know, you get down to the jail level, of course, the percentages go up, and then people that have never been in trouble or never been addicted, you know, you look, at, you look back at their childhood and they've, you know, they didn't have a lot of these things happen. And everybody's, everybody's different, too, with some things like mine. I, I would have told you, well, I had a great upbringing. Well, then I find out that how much my, that divorce in my family back when I was seven years old, how much it really did affect me. Did, did you have uh, any inclination or any belief system about who God was prior to all of this that you bounced back on, or was that brand new to you? Well, you know, here's here's the thing too, and you know, I was uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell that story right now. I'll, all through my life, I you know, I would be in uh, I'd be in a crack house, or whatever, doing crack, and we'd be or or other or cocaine or whatever, and we'd be I'd be talking about the Bible and about how we should quit drugs, and my <laughs> my friends, my friends, I had like thirty people quit. That was their last day ever, and and. I'm going, what, do I, what am I saying in it? Because most people would call you a hypocrite. Well, that was me. I look back, no, that was me trying to convince myself. And, you know, even though I was freed from a addiction, from the desire on January 16, 2009, I, uh, you know, I've got quite a story. It goes up to 2014, and I met a gal, and she had something uh, completely, I had never seen this relationship with Jesus. And she had this, and I'm going, you know, this is, it was something I didn't have. I would always, you know, back then I would always pray when I'm in trouble, you know, please, God, get me out of this situation and get me out of this. And she had this personal relationship with Jesus, and, I, and I'm and i going, you know, and I've been wearing my cross on TV for 10 years, and, uh, you know, on, on all my commercials, I even when I'm not on TV, I, you know, I always wore it, and I always went, you know, I thought there was something more, and, and it was, uh, it wasn't, you know, until uh, it was like, um, it was a drop zone thing, a retreat thing I went to, and and I actually had a, a, an amazing born again experience on uh, uh, February 18th of 2017. It was like uh, it was like you, you know if, uh, the light switch came on. I can have as much passion for the for Jesus now as a, as I did for a pillow, you know. Wow! And that's uh, that was very amazing for me that change and that shift and. Uh, God's been waiting for you know. I have an amazing platform that uh, that He chose me for, and it's uh, um, for me taking. Uh, uh, there's a passage in the Bible, I think it's Proverbs three five six, where trust in Him with all your heart, or something like that, and He will and He will guide your path. And yeah. um, you know, I went down some wrong paths for quite a while, and now I pray for wisdom and discernment every day, and. Uh, um, amazing well and, and in that scripture verse it says lean not on your own understanding uh we we really like to try to uh lean on our own intellect to solve our issues and when we find out that without god in our life we're truly powerless over these hurts habits and hang-ups that can be pretty humbling right oh absolutely and that would be that would be me in the past you know i would god blessed me with an amazing way to uh you know most most addicts are very resourceful they because it's such a it is such a um a lot of work any addict that's out there listening how hard is it to hide your addiction to to uh be able to keep a job all these things it is so much work and when you got preached you of that and you uh you lean on him uh and always acknowledge him and he and he shall direct your path is so much easier um and 
and it, uh, you know, if you, uh, I don't have to use that, uh, you know, I have to make choices, but it's, uh, you know, I pray about things and, uh, and he guides me and it's just amazing. Yeah. And I, you know, I was, uh, I, I had a needle in my arm and a bottle in my mouth for like 18 years and I knew the Lord before that I had had a conversion experience, a true born again experience. Um, there was little to no discipleship afterwards. Uh, I really didn't know what to do with it. Um, but there's a lot of folks out there, excuse me, that, that are in the faith community that are born again, believers that are still struggling with one addiction or another. And addiction's a broad term. We could be talking about pornography. We can talk about, uh, there was a lady I knew oh, that sure. that bit her, her fingernails so badly until they bled. It was actually a form of self-harm. Uh, you have chemical addictions. You, you have behavioral addictions. You have all this stuff. And you can be, and that's what's so confusing to a lot of people in the church, Mike. And see if you, you, if you don't agree with me. A lot of folks in the church, they don't get it because they're like, well, once you have a relationship with Jesus, then you shouldn't struggle at all, right? I mean, that's kind of what we hear sometimes, isn't it? Right. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's uh, um, even myself, you know, I still, it's, it's a constant, um, you know, transformation. And you're, you're, you're uh, you know, I pray for, uh, um, you know, I pray all the time for, you know, praying and journaling, so important, and having that relationship with Jesus. But, you know, it's not all, uh, you're still going to have uh, things that, you know, if you, if you have, I really, it really helped me getting to the root, going back and, uh, um, you know, to my childhood. I've been in, a, you know, a lot of counseling where you go back to your childhood and you find out, you know, what was the root of the addictions in the first place or the root of these, of these inner these inner wounds that we have, these, you know, and for me, it was a lot of forgiveness, forgiving myself, and a lot of, uh, um, I had a very unworthiness wound where I was felt so unworthy, and I couldn't talk to people. There's no way, if you'd have told me I would be a speaker or be able to talk on radio or, or be on TV, and uh, I, I would have said, that ain't going to happen, <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you know, now it's like, you know, and I had to get free to that, and that was, you know, I still work on that all the time. It's that, you know, I still feel, why did you, you know, why am I feel? why did you, why am I chosen God to do this? And why, you know, but everybody's got, God's got a plan for everyone. And, and, um, like, you, you know, to just trust in him and, and, and the, uh, I really think that, uh, um, you know, to find out, you know, to go back and find out where those, where you're, uh, to address those inner, those inner pains, those inner wounds is so important. Um, even be and praying about them with, you know, when you get, you know, getting born again and you, and you, and you, you know, the other thing too, you talked about just, uh, obviously just going to church like me, I was, you know, where I'm out there and I'm out there, but you know, um, well, there was a great Christian man, you know, when I'm wearing my cross all these years and I'm going, but I was missing something that was so important. I couldn't have, I couldn't have went on or, you know, and talked about, about Jesus. It was like, for me, I was like, you know, I'm, I would be, uh, until I got to know him myself and got to be in that relationship, it would be like, uh, how can I get passionate about something I didn't even have? But I wanted it so bad, I would always talk to people about it and try and, and here they would find Jesus, and I'm still waiting over here. Oh, my, my, oh my gosh, you, just, you, you, you really touched on something there, uh, because I was that way too. I, I was a great barstool preacher, you know. And uh, I remember a good friend of mine uh, named, named Larry Barons. He, he uh, <clears throat> I think he was like 18 years old, and I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and we were both working in Yosemite National Park. And um, we would sit down after work and drink rum and coke until we were, you know, so blotto we couldn't even talk. And yet, years later, after he became a Christian, he, he called me up and he says, it was because of your influence, your knowledge of the scriptures, and how you would talk about Jesus that I turned my will and my life over to Christ. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was drunk that whole time. And he said, it doesn't matter. The word of God doesn't return void. Right, right. I had a, I had a similar experience. My uncle was one of the one of the worst alcoholics I've ever seen in my life, and he, uh, and I was of course still using those back in uh, the mid two thousands, and I, uh, 
and it was a it was a snowy night in southern Minnesota, and I was down there, and I uh, was actually down there hunting. My buddies had all went to bed, and I I knew he was in town, staying above this grocery store, and I went to the grocery store and went up the steps to that little apartment, and I walked in there, and they uh, and there was this long haired guy in the corner that he didn't say anything, whatever, but I we sat up drinking and whatever, and and I was of course I was running the bathroom doing my drugs and. I talked my uncle into coming back and going into getting help, and and he did. The next morning, he went and got help, and he was, was the straightest he was, sober as he was forever for six months he was. But then he did end up relapsing about a half a year later, and he he died a year later after that in a hotel of alcohol poisoning in, in uh, Wyoming. Well, at his funeral, a guy came, uh, this guy uh, came, I was outside with my dad, and this guy came up to me all, and he comes up, and he gives me a hug, and he he says, you saved my life. You don't remember that. You remember me? And I said, what? And he goes, I was, you remember that guy in the corner two years ago? And I said, wow, that was you? And he goes, he goes, yeah. He says, I quit that night, found Jesus, and I found out I'd have been dead in three weeks. And he, and I said, well, what did I say? And he goes, I don't know, but it sure made sense. And, you know, but all those times I was trying to convince myself, and it's just, uh, um, yeah, it's amazing how God works. His word is His word, you know. Amen, amen to that. Now, uh, Stephen Baldwin speaks very highly of you, and uh, you know, you are rubbing shoulders with probably people. And this has happened to me too since I've been in broadcasting. We end up rubbing shoulders with people we never dreamed would happen. Uh, are you amazed by that? That's my most surreal thing. The last two years, that's actually those are miracles I see in my books called "What Are the Odds?" It's like you know, I look at miracles, I look at mathematically things like this is the one in a million, this is the one in a billion. You combine them when you consider it a miracle. Well, for me, the last couple of years, uh, by some by divine appointments, I ended up, I wasn't into politics. I ended up, I, by a divine appointment, ended up at the National Prayer Breakfast in January of 2016. I picked out of 12 people to pray with Ben Carson in a room and um, we prayed for the country. He was still in the election then, and another things kept leading up in these all these divine appointments. And all of a sudden, one one day in the summer of 2016, I get an email from Donald Trump, and he says, he says, Mike, this is Donald Trump. He said, could you meet me in Trump Tower in New York City for a private meeting? And and I ended up meeting him, and I and I thought this is the most amazing man. I would want no one else be in my presence other than him. And I went all in against advice from everybody I <laughs> what god called me to do and and now uh here i'm friends with uh just uh, just today i was with the vice president in a, in a meeting um i mean just for me here's the next crack addict and now with all these people um from you know from politics to whatever but you know and it's just i have met um people in you know famous pastors famous people and it's just i'm going why why me? You know? Right, it, uh, right. It is, it is for real, and I, and I just, uh, um, I just stay, you know, I stay humble, and you know, I give the glory to Jesus, and, and whatever, uh, whatever He's got me to do in that, whatever I'm supposed to do, I, I believe I've been following that calling and, and uh, um, helping out any way I can with, uh, with what's going on in our country. Amen, amen for that. All right, so we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back. Uh, I want to talk to you about your meeting with the vice president today and uh, get your thoughts on some things when it comes to uh, really the number one health crisis in our world, addiction. It gets the least amount of attention due to stigma. What is happening to help break that stigma besides little old Take 12 radio? There's a lot going on, and maybe you listeners don't even realize it, uh, but we're moving forward, and so don't go away. Listen to this. More with my guest, Mike Lindell, the CEO and founder of My Pillow. when we come back. You and I know all too well how talented folks in recovery are. KHLT Broadcasting, the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, and the Recovery Broadcasting Network are handing you the opportunity to share some of that talent. If you've ever written your own songs and have always wanted to share them publicly, here's the chance to share your talent with thousands of people all over the world through Internet Radio. For the next several months, the Monty Man will be reviewing songs written and performed by people in recovery. 
recovery. Whether you're an accomplished musician or a novice, he wants to hear from you. All forms of music will be considered. Adhering to federal copyright laws and possible contractual agreements, some restrictions may apply. To submit your original music by email, send MP3s to Take12Radio at Comcast.net. That's T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio at Comcast.net. Or drop your CD in the mail addressed to KHLT P.O. Box 93, Albany, Oregon 97321. This is Ryan Huber, and you're listening to the recovery talk and positive music of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Yes, indeedy. Welcome back to the world's only faith-based recovery talk and positive music radio station, Take 12 Recovery Radio. Listen, my guest is continually dreaming up ways to help people, but it hasn't always been that way. He's been sharing his story of experience and strength and hope with us today. Uh, He first had to give up his drug addiction by giving himself to God, and he did that, and as you've been hearing, miracles started to happen. Since then, he has experienced tremendous success and is now in a position to give back, and give back he does. Uh, Mike Lindell, the founder and CEO of MyPillow, is our guest on this special broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Uh, so, so, Mike, you know, the, my goodness, all you have to do is spend like three minutes on social media, and, and, and we all know everybody's got a gripe, everybody's got a complaint. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. People are just spewing hatred towards each other. And all the while, really, the number one health crisis in our world, which has been going on for a long, long time, the stigma that surrounds that continues. Uh, what are some of the plans in the future to help break that stigma? What did you guys talk about today? Well, the vice president, I told him, and it was yesterday and today, actually, but he, uh, we, um, I told him what I'm doing uh, personally. Um, I co-founded. It's, gonna, it's called the Recovery Network. It is the most amazing thing where, um, I, you know, if you're an addict out there, if you're a 22-year-old opiate addict, let's say, it's hard for you to relate with a 50-year-old alcoholic. Um, yeah. Most people can relate. And same way with a family. If you have a family and you're, you have an addict, you need to find someone that is um, your equal. You know, hey, maybe they have a 22-year-old addict and, they want, and you want to talk to that family. Well, anyway, that was... Uh, that, you know that's very hard to do because a lot of people, you know, don't want to. Sh- once they're once they're off addiction, they're not addicted. They don't really want to. You know, they want to protect that and not even talk about it. There's a lot of shame involved with addiction, which yeah. which is too bad. But what we do, we went out and we're getting a quarter million at least stories of hope. These are three to five minute videos, just like my story. And and now imagine if you're a 22 year old addict and an opiate addict, and you punch in your age, you punch in, you know, geotag where you're at, you, know, you punch in uh, uh, what your what your drug of choice is, and now you're going to see all these stories filtered down of people in your age group, same addiction, but how they made it through, how they got what you know, how their successes were, how they came out the other side, what obstacles they overcame, and you're and it's going to give you hope. And then you're gonna, we're going to have all these places in their area where they can go get that hope, get the things that these other guys got. And, and, and it is going to be amazing. And then this fall, uh, we're going to add to that. We're going to have all these other mentors available to the addicts. So mentors that they uh, um, um, can imagine a, almost like a Facebook, but it's uh, you have mentors you're reaching out to that can mentor, get you through, help you through, and and help you get the help you need, or, um, you know, a lot of people, I talk to people all over the country that just my story, my, the reason I came up with this is, you know, a lot of, um, almost every one of my friends that was on crack cocaine has quit now. Because wow. I gave them hope. I gave them hope. God freed them of that. It's shown them hope. And, uh, um, a lot of them found Jesus, even, but even the ones that didn't, you know, I planted seeds, and they're and they've quit their addiction, by, or quit that particular addiction. But it's seeds of hope that are going to be planted with this. And then we've got, um, um, you know, I've got my foundation coming out where they, where 100% of your money goes to the need, and you get to hear back a difference you made. There's no overhead, and this thing is going to create so many jobs too at home. Uh, people that are home with call centers, um, 
Um, I've got, it's going to be an amazing launch. You know, coincide when, uh, um, with my book coming out called What Are the Odds? I'm going to do that with, uh, to get the publicity out there for this recovery network. And, and there are so many, um, great treatment centers out there. And I will name a few. Teen Challenge, Salvation Army, Union Gospel, and I'll tell you, any faith-based treatment center, that's where it's at. I send people all the time I, that I'm helping people. I don't send them to the other centers that aren't faith-based. I'm sorry, they don't work. They, do, they don't work. They don't, you know, you might have a few it works for, but the other, uh, the majority, you need to have something. You get out of treatment and you need to have, uh, you need to have Jesus. And they, and also that what we're doing too with the families, we're going to give, imagine uh, families. So you, you know, you have an addict and you can reach out to another family. What did they do? How did they get through it? You know, and, uh, and guide them. They're like mentors too. And when you mentor someone in addiction, it helps the mentor as much as the addict. I can't stress that enough. If you're out there and you've made it through, uh, reach out. You're the ones that need to reach out and pull someone else up. And, um, we can get out of this big epidemic. Um, it got here, and now and and it got here with no hope, and now we got we're bringing it back with hope. And and if people have hope, um, the uh, we can get out of this, and we can get. And people need to, you know, they need to find out with these uh, centers and stuff. You know, uh, you'll find out from mentors, and you know, to address the the inner pains, the wounds we have that addictions mask, and. It'll be absolutely amazing. And I was telling this, we were talking to the vice president about this, and this is stuff the president and I talked about back in 2016 about, you know, the uh, the addictions, and, the, and uh, we right. talked about all kinds of stuff. In it. And uh, so that's... Uh, well, this is so exciting. And, and, and let me tell you, and you don't know this about me, but <clears throat> I, um, I was the first outreach coordinator in the Pacific Northwest for Teen Challenge. 30 years, oh, wow. 30 years, 30 years ago. Uh, and speaking of being a believer and a Christian and still struggling with some of your addictive behaviors, um, I fell off the wagon during that time and, um, teen challenge had to let me go. Well, fast forward 30 years and that all became, got healed and there was restoration and they hired me as the education coordinator for uh, one of the centers here in the Pacific Northwest um, here a couple wow. of years ago. And so I've been working with Teen Challenge for a long time, and um, I've just retired from that position uh, last September. I, I moved into retirement to dedicate a more time to Take 12 Recovery Radio. But what we've done, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm just giving a plug for my, for my show here real quick, folks. Uh, what we've done is we have developed a broadcast the first and third Wednesday of every month. We interview men and women from Teen Challenge of Arizona, and they share their stories uh, of hope, and they come on Snow Peabody, who is the former president of Teen Challenge USA. He's a friend of ours, and we, we, we connect with these folks. They have five centers in Arizona. There is an amazing uh, program there in Arizona. And so we're we're hooking up with Teen Challenge all the time. And so I, I'm like you. Uh, we we've had some of the majors from Salvation Army on our shows. And I, I'm with you on this. Uh, you know, let's let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's get to the what's really going on. And what's really going on is we have a God shaped hole, and we're trying to fill it with everything else but God. Let's let's get to the solution, which is Jesus Christ, right? Absolutely. And you know. Uh, the, uh, the the co-founders of this recovery network is, uh, you know, the, with Teen Challenge with David Wilkerson and uh, Nick right. Cruz. Don Wilkerson, his brother, and a group came from the original Teen Challenge, came out to visit me. We co-founded it together. So they are my number one partners. We're getting these stories of hope from Teen Challenge. Whether you have the... Uh, you have the, the the addicts reaching out to the alumni, and we're get, that's how we're gathering these stories. And, uh, and it's... Uh, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I met. Uh, I went out there and I visited uh, the original Teen Challenge. Talked to a lot of the a lot of the addicts there. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jimmy Jack. So I met I met them and they. Uh, yeah, they're we're co we're co-founded this together. So it's uh, you know and there's no better the better treatment centers than Teen Challenge and Salvation Army Union Gospel. You got to have Jesus. 
Well, I'll tell you something, brother. Uh, I'm getting goosebumps right now because I don't think there's any mistake that you and I have met and that we're doing this show today. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. I, I mean, there's too too many ca- things. <laughs> we can get a lot of these stories, it sounds like, right from your, on your show. Get them out there to people and get they because I'll tell you, yeah. hope brings, got to have hope plant seeds of hope. Yeah, and I'm just I, I I don't know why we're amazed when God t- does what He says He'll do, but we always are, and it's and it's a beautiful thing to watch how He how He orchestrates things and brings people together. Uh, knowing that your involvement with Teen Challenge, uh, a, a good friend of mine who is also my co-host on a show called uh, Entitled to Overcome on Fridays. Um, he said, oh, I know who Mike is. He goes, he's donated uh, pillows to Teen Challenge because he was in Teen Challenge in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is this all just comes together. And, and it's an amazing thing. Folks, you don't want to miss God working through recovery. It is the most amazing thing that you'll ever experience. Don't don't miss it. Uh, Mike, uh, let me let me ask you. Um, how difficult, let's switch gears here just for a minute. How difficult is it to get a patent? Well, the, um, you know, I think the question be, should be how important are patents? How important? Okay, yeah. So many, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a, pat, a patent, if anybody's out there, you should get it. They call provisional patent. Uh, I would I would suggest them. They're very inexpensive and, and get that. But uh, to get a patent, it can be quite hard. But when you get it, I got mine just so I could always make my own product, um, which was very important because uh, I was told that the big companies were going to get my get a patent on my pillow and then shut it down and, and never make the product at the cars that got 200 miles to gallon. And um, so, you know, by getting your own patent, you can, you can at least uh, always make sure you can make your own product. Um, and, but the provisional patents are very important because you can – if you do get copied, there's so much, I, you know, I'm hoping that this administration, which they have, and, you know, stop the, uh, stop the thievery from overseas where they take, they take great ideas here and they come back and they saturate it with stuff made from overseas, copycats and stuff, and that's bad. But uh, um, if you're an entrepreneur out there, those, you know, to get that provisional patent and then do, do home shows and fairs and little shows, there's nothing better than testing your product in a live environment and getting feedback. And then, and then also, if you know someone out there that's been in that kind of business that you trust, where you can reach out to him for a mentor, that's very important. Even in, in any kind of business, get, find a mentor that you can you know, ask questions and, so you don't make the same mistakes he did. But um, there's, a, there's a lot to it. But the sure. provisional patent is easy, easy to get, and it's, uh, it protects you. Right, right. So, okay. So, w- when when you started doing th- this idea uh, with the the my pillow thing, uh, the story goes that you actually were sketching out the design for the logo before you even had the first prototype, right? Yeah, I actually had a dream. I had so so many dreams that I know where God. Um, but the first one was the there were no mys back then, and I came up my pillow. And I go, that sounds kind of that sounds kind of weird, you know. But I, I thought, oh, where's my pillow? And and I actually wrote wrote it all over the house at like two, three in the morning. I'm writing these <laughs> logos out, and and my daughter came upstairs. One of my daughters did. She goes, she's like eleven years old or ten. She goes, "What are you doing?" And I go, "I got this this idea, and it's going to be called my pillow. It's going to be the most amazing product ever." And and I and she grabs her glass of water and she looks and she goes, "That's really random, Dad." And she went back downstairs. That's really and, random. And uh, the next <laughs> the next three days, the uh, or the next three weeks, months go by, and the kids are going. To their mother, well, when's he going to get over this pillow thing? And she goes, oh, he'll get over it soon. Don't worry about it. It's just a phase, you know? Uh, <laughs> and and actually what ended up happening is your whole family got on board with this thing. Your your son actually brought in 10 or so of his friends. You, you hired them to help you with the manufacturing of all this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, what they did, they spent about a year inventing my pillow, year and a half, I... My one son, we would tear different foams on the deck every day when he got home from school, try different things in a pillow. And finally, we, I had the, the, I go, wow, this works. But we, I couldn't find a machine that made the sizes I needed. So I, I had to invent that. That's quite a story. And then I wanted to make it so you could wash and dry it. That took another couple months. I went back to the 
these guys in Wisconsin. These guys said, I want this, this stuff to be able to work and dry. And, and, um, finally I had the pillow and I walked into box stores. Uh, one of them was a bed bath. And I said, how many you want? I have the best pillow ever made. And, um, and I, you know, where's your, where's your owner? Where's your buyer? And, and, uh, he goes, I am the, I am the uh, manager, and he said, uh, you need to leave. I said, we, you know, we don't want your pillow. I was just shut out everywhere. And, <laughs> and uh, my um, a friend of mine, my brother-in-law's brother says, Mike, why don't you try a kiosk? I said, how do you spell that, and what is it? Oh, no. I ended up doing this, I ended up doing this kiosk, and, and uh, we always told that we mortgaged our house, four little kids, and hardly any... Uh, uh, we had no money, no nothing left, and and you know I was still mirrored in addiction, and and uh, but I put all my put all my focus into the pillow then, and we only sold about eight. But one day I was there, and this one guy said, "You got a card?" And I said, "I said no, I'm all out of cards. I just wrote it on a piece of paper." He's the only guy who gave my phone number, and he happened to call in January, which is a very divine appointment. He called up. He says, "Are you the guy that invented this pillow here in Minnesota?" I said, "Yeah." He goes. Well, I run the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show, and how would you like a spot in that show? And I said, yeah, sure. And, and uh, I went into that show, and I changed my boots up, and I, I, I did the pitches myself, and I, and I learned that I could be behind that booth, and I could actually didn't need drugs or anything. Um, as I started hearing back from people how the pillow had helped them, and it was just so rewarding, and, and it was just it was amazing. Well, we sold out that show. And then I got in the Minnesota State Fair right away, and I learned that I could at least support my family doing show to show. And that's when my kids got involved. They learned the, uh, my friend, yeah, he hired, we hired like, I don't know, 15, 16 year olds that time. He was in charge of, wow. He was all running the, the little factory, and I had to learn how to sew. And, and, um, so I was the sewer, and it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. We did shows and fairs for, six or seven years. And like I say, every, we had so much adversity. People tried to steal the company. They tried to, one time I had people buy in, they fired me on the first day that they had that. And uh, I go, and that didn't work out for them, but it was uh, just all this stuff that, you know, God protected me during that time. All, you bet. Everything that could have happened to my pillow happened. And, and a uh, 20 year marriage I lost, we were actually making uh labeling the pillows in our living room and uh, on the, in the, dark days of uh, the spring of 2007 and they shut off our house we lost our house it was literally lights out and uh, my wife couldn't take more she left me and uh, and um then the next uh, couple of years till i quit everything on january 16 2009 and then i said okay god where do we go from here and i had the people had taken the company then they taken all my shows and my fabric and i i needed to come up with thirty thousand dollars and and nobody, I had nothing left in the world. And, and uh, well, God led me to these guys. There was eight of them I didn't even know. And I walked in with a pillow and three jars, and there was a CFO and a, all these CIOs and all these people. And I go, and I walk in there, and I start telling my story. I need to have 30 grand that afternoon. And I said, I have a pillow that I invented, and I'm going to do shows with my friends. We're gonna, and I said, I'll pay you back 40 grand. I used to be a crack cocaine addict. And I'm telling them all this stuff, and they the one guy goes, well, when did you quit crack? And I said, last Thursday. <laughs> and, uh, four, of them, four of them got up and left the room and shook their heads and left the room. And But, you know, I said, well, now there's four of you. Know, you could all put in $7,500. And they, they ended up doing that. And that was the first miracle. And my sister, she kept telling me, you know, you got to pray for favor. And I go, well, what's this favor thing? And, and uh, boy, I would pray for favor. And it just kept coming. And, and uh and then it got up to uh, 2011, and I thought, you know what? If no one's going to take my pillow, I'm going to, you know, and I got such amazing feedback from all the shows I did. I said, I'm going to do an infomercial. And I didn't know infomercials fail. You just do it to get into box stores. And I told my friends, family, we all, we all pooled our money, and we wanted to make something real. And we did it with just a real audience and just a friend of mine. And I was living in my sister's basement, and it launched October 7, 2011, at 3 in the morning. And I had five employees, and me and my kids, and 40 days later, I had 500 employees. Wow. And I'll tell you, I think back now, by, by December 26 of 2011, we were the number one infomercial in the world. And we, uh, we were hiring people off the street. They go, Mike, we need an, you need to be CEO. I go, why do I need to be CEO? Don't they just take money in it? And they go, no, you need, we need an HR department. I said, that sounds horrible. Let's just keep making pillows. 
I don't know how we, everybody got their pillow in time for Christmas that year. We sold tens of thousands of them. And, and we, you know, people were coming off the streets. I'm hiring them. We're stowing through the night and making them. And that was a miracle in itself. I think that now, how did every, how did these pillows all go out on time when we just exploded like that? And, and, uh, it was. It's just. Uh, it's just been surreal for me. Now I have over 1,600 employees, uh, 400,000 square feet of factory, uh, my own call center. Every part of my pillow, I micromanage and macromanage, and and it's just we create careers, not just jobs. And and I and we're a company of second chances. I hire people that have uh, um, you know. Pro- I had an HR department once, and they go, Mike, we don't want to hire this person. Whatever, blah blah blah. And uh, she said, uh, this is a problem and this problem. And I said. Have you looked at your CEO lately? Well, I got rid oh. of the HR department. I, you know, I got, I, now we have what's called an employee relation, employee health department. And 500 of my employees have my direct phone number. They can call me if they see any deviations. If they know if they if somebody's got a problem uh, with addictions, wherever we get them help. We don't just fire them and spend them. You know, we get them help, and it's amazing. And and uh, we're like a big family because of that. And they. Uh, and they know that they, uh, um, we don't have a big turnover on my pillow. They, everyone, everyone loves their job. And, uh, and we, if they do leave and do something else, uh, we, we welcome them back. If it didn't work out, I think too many companies nowadays, people are afraid to take chances because they can't get their, they're afraid they're, Oh, I've been at this job so long. If I leave and I won't be able to come back. Well, at my pillow, we encourage that if they have to go, if they get a better opportunity and they go try it and it doesn't work Wow, that 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 is what a what an amazing story. I, I I'm I'm just floored and and so excited for you, uh, and for my pillow and and all the folks that work for you and and you're giving back, uh, uh, to to your community and to God and, uh, you know, so many people they get they get clean they get sober and then you never hear from them again. Um, or they bury them and, and nothing against the 12 step community. I'm a 12 stepper, but sometimes we hide in the basements of our churches and meeting halls and we don't say it because we don't understand the anonymity tradition of those programs and fellowships. We don't say anything to anybody. We don't let them know that recovery works and uh, shame on us for that. We we need to stand up. We need to be part of of the hammer that breaks the stigma. And then we need need to give back to a community that we took so much from in our active using. And 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 you're doing that. And one of the things that I love about your product is people that get healthy, people that get into recovery and they recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and God removes the obsession and now they're getting healthy. One of the most important aspects of our life is proper sleep. And pe- pe- people t- people need to understand how vitally important that is. And what you're sleeping on, now at our house, we have a sleep number bed and we have my pillow. And I am telling you, listeners, it has changed this former active addict's life because um, not only that, but I have diabetes, and so sleep is absolutely essential. And uh, last year, we purchased uh, my pillow, and everything changed. I mean, the way my neck feels, I don't toss and turn. Uh, I sleep through the night. It's it, it, it's just I really believe the hand of God is all over this thing, Mike, and I, I just so appreciate uh, what you're doing for all of us. Well, thank you so much, and the. Uh... Yeah, I give all the glory to God. He gave me this idea for the pillow. It's helped 41 million pillows we sold as of Monday. Oh, my gosh. 41 million. And uh, that's, uh, I just can't, for me, it's just surreal. It's helped so many people. When I, you know, when I walk down the streets of America now, everyone that comes up to me, that's one of three things. They say, Mike, uh, you know, they're talking how great the pillow is, how it helps them sleep, and this, and they're just, uh, that it create a miracle. Number two, that they... They go, your story inspired me, I, I know, that with uh, with your redemption story for Jesus and, uh, and addiction. And then the third one is, uh, um, thank you for backing our president, and, our, and we're praying for him, and we're praying for our country. And those three things, I just, uh, just so, you know, just hearing those things to me all the time, it just keeps me going. They go, how can you have this much passion for a, a pillow 13 years later? It's because of hearing the stories back and hearing that it's changing the world, One, you know. 
changing the world and helping helping people. Yeah, one pillow at a time, right? <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Yeah. And and you've got you uh you've got a book coming out. You're also working on a movie, I heard, right? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a movie. I just did a uh, a movie with Stephen Baldwin. It's called Church People. That's going to be out, and I have a cameo in that. And it's uh, it's a Christian comedy. It's a very and I wanted to learn the movie industry before I made a movie from my book. Right. And because my movie from my book is going to, I believe it's going to help so many people. It's quite. I've had 14 near death experiences. I've had, you know, all the stuff that I even had time to talk on your phone. I've had so many things happen that. Uh, um, or, you know, miracles and, and, and things in my life that, uh, uh, to, you're telling the story by the time you read the book, if you don't believe in God, you didn't read the book. And, right. and, um, I, I can't wait to, you know, that money that's going to go for that is going to just go right into my foundation and giving back and helping people. It's just going to be, that platform has gotten so big that I, uh, um, the platform of trust and integrity, and I just want to do it for a special, you know, Keep following the right path that that God has me on to um, to get back, and that's uh, um, I enjoy. People say, "Mike, you're so you're so busy. Do you do you ever sleep?" You know, and I go and I go, "Yeah, I, I mean, when I do sleep, it's quality, but I love what I do, so it doesn't even seem like work." Right. You know. Right. So, listen, Mike. I, I want to um, we 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 want to be a part of uh, of your story and and help you promote your book when 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 that comes out. Please please let's stay in contact. <clears throat> we want to make sure For that sure. our listeners um, <clears throat> have an opportunity to to enjoy that and also with the movie and to talk more about the Lindell Foundation. And, and what you're doing, um, I just uh, like I said, I don't think there's any accidents uh, in the universe. I think God's behind all of all all good and perfect things come from the Father of Lights, and that's our Heavenly Father uh, through through the power and love of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we we want definitely want to keep in contact with you and and partner with you on on this wonderful journey that you're going through and helping other people. Uh, it's just amazing. I, I just congratulations, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, listen, this is the Mike Lindell story. This is an American dream. And, you know, we've lost so many dreams. People have come to a place where they're so distraught. Uh, politically, people are just at each other's throats. Spiritually, we know it's a spiritual battle. We don't fight against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. There's so many arguments going on in life about uh, guns, no guns, uh, marriage equality. I mean, there's just so much. We can get lost and caught up in all the distractions that the enemy of our soul would love us to pay attention to. Take 12 Radio, stories like Mike Lindell, these are things that can bring us back to what the point is. The point is, your creator, the God of the universe, the God who is God, loves you so much, he wants a personal relationship to walk side by side, hand in hand, with you. And I'm telling you, listeners, if you allow the distractions of the day to to cement your attention to them, you'll miss the point. Please copy this show, download this show, share it with your friends. There is hope. There is never anyone beyond hope, right, Mike? That's absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely right. Hope seeds of hope. That's what we got out there. There's hope in, uh, in uh, if you've got anything in Everyone out there, if you're sitting there, I mean, there's nothing I can tell firsthand. There's nothing better. There's nothing I was, for uh, for me, all those years talking to people and telling them, and they would quit, and they would find Jesus. It was just me looking, and you know what? My friend and I asked in December of 2008, I said, you know, is it boring? Is it, you know, I had all these questions for him, and he said, no, no, man, it's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> it it awesome. is It Absolutely is amazing. amazing. Well, Mike, thank you so much for giving us this much time to have you on our show. I appreciate it so very much. I'll be back anytime you want me. All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back. We want to help uh, promote your work. Folks, uh, my guest has been Mike Lindell, founder and CEO of Mike 
uh, Mike's uh, wonderful product, My Pillow. And we personally own three of them. If you listen, I am telling you, you can spend hundreds of dollars on bedding. You can spend hundreds of dollars on a pillow. This pillow isn't going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It just isn't. It's very reasonably priced. Uh, there's two for one sales. There's you can have them custom made depending on how you sleep. Uh, I want you to go to mypillow.com. And uh, look at this product. And if you decide to purchase uh, this amazing, amazing pillow, use the promo code TAKE12. Use the promo code TAKE12 and you will get a incredible discount. And you'll also help to promote the world's only faith-based recovery talk and positive music radio station, TAKE12 Recovery Radio. Don't forget. Go to MyPillow.com. When you order, use the promo code TAKE12. You will be absolutely amazed. I've never heard one negative thing from anybody that has purchased this product. Am I, am I doing an advertisement here? Maybe, but I am telling you, your health is important. And for those of you that are in recovery, for those of you who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, some of the aspects of your life now need to improve and sleep's one of them please give this a chance you will not be sorry that you did mypillow.com is the link also uh on our main page at take12radio.com is a link to mike's documentary the mike lindell story an american dream you don't want to miss that you want to sit down uh in front of your television set or your computer screen with your family and watch this amazing story of experience, strength, and hope, and the power of God with Mike Lindell's story and his wonderful family as well. All right, our closing song is I See You by our good friend and recovery recording artist, Mr. Brian Duncan. I see you watching over me Every day another way That I can see your love And I see you Looking out for me, all I want to do is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Under a bridge or up on a mountain, see you in everything, like stars are counting, the streets of gold or just mud and gravel, you're always with me on this road.
Mr. Brian Duncan with ICU. Hey, a very special thank you to our guest today, Mr. Mike Lindell, the founder and CEO of MyPillow. Listen, you really got to get one of these things. I own three of them. But more importantly, I just want to thank him for his amazing story of redemption, what God has done in his life. What a blessing, what a story, what a gift, what a treat. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, and I'm wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.